the horror of horoscopes. In newspapers across the country, you will find a segment devoted to those who need to know what will happen in the future. And there are segments for different months of the year. And if you're born in July, you go read July. And if you're nosy, you read what happens to people who are born in August. Then, of course, there's the Zodiac. And people believe in that sort of thing, whether you're a Libra or Aries or whatever the other things are. And people guide their lives and make decisions based on these sources of information. And they take it very, very seriously. I'm sure you're very well aware that Nancy Reagan is public knowledge, used to consult, uh, what do you call them? Well, people, what's that? Psychic. The child of God needs to know what the Bible says about that kind of practice and the power behind all varieties of that pursuit for knowledge that perhaps we should not have. The horror of horoscopes. In Genesis 3, reading from verse 1, Turn there with me, please. Genesis chapter 3, reading from verse 1. Genesis 3, reading from verse 1. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, He shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Notice the description of the serpent. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Now the Lord made the serpent subtle and cunning and wise. Some animals are smarter than others. I am told elephants never forget, chimpanzees are very smart, dolphins, seals. Some animals are smarter than others. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Now God had said in Genesis 2.17, In the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. The serpent said, Ye shall not surely die. All he did was to add one word, essentially, and change the meaning from north to south, black to white. Life to death. And in verse 5 he said, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Here's what the devil told Eve. God knows that if you eat of this fruit, your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now, the expression good and evil simply means all there is to know. I've told you many times, in God's system, in God's kingdom, there is no such thing as neutrality. You're either on one side or the other. The Bible always gives mankind a choice. Do right, do wrong, serve God, serve the devil, you're saved, you're lost, you're sheep, you're goat, you're wheat, you're tear. 
You're with me or you're against me. You scatter with me, you, you gather with me, you scatter against me. That is the way the Bible is. There's no middle ground. The devil says, you shall be as gods knowing good and evil. In Ecclesiastes 12, 13, 14, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be what? Good or evil. That includes every work into judgment. And all that a person can do comes under one of two headings, good or evil. And so the devil is really saying, ye shall be as gods knowing everything. And this is a temptation that people cannot resist up to this day. We want to know everything. We want to know what will happen tomorrow. We want to invade areas of knowledge that God has not planned for us to invade, at least not according to our schedule. Ye shall be as gods knowing good and evil. You'll know everything. This being that tempted Eve has a history. Let's do a short biographical sketch of this being called the devil. 719. 19 minutes after 7. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 28, reading from verse 11. Ezekiel 28, reading from verse 11, and I'm reading publicly from the King James Version for those of you who are following. Ezekiel 28, reading from verse 11. Ezekiel says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. This is a description of Lucifer. After he sinned, he became Satan, or the devil, the dragon, the serpent. Thou sealest up the sum. We have a saying in our modern language, When God made me, what did he do? He broke the mold. That's, that's a modern version of what Ezekiel is saying. Lucifer was at that time God's highest expression of his creative power. Lucifer was God's signature on the colossal universal canvas of his creation. Lucifer represented the highest, the high tide expression of God's divine creation. And so the Bible says, Thou sealest up the sum, there's nothing beyond this, full of beauty, and perfect in beauty, and full of wisdom. Verse 13, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. Now here's a description of how we looked on the outside. The sardius, topaz and diamond, the beryl, onyx and jasper, the sapphire, emerald, carbuncle and gold. Now these are ten precious stones that covered him on the outside. The only creature God ever made and put jewelry on him was Lucifer. If you want to call that precious stones all over him. Verse 13 goes on to say, The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee from the day that thou was created. I would have loved to have heard that creature sing before he fell. His tablets and his pipes were prepared in him. I've heard some people say, and I tend to agree, before Lucifer sinned, probably he still can. When he opened his mouth to sing, he probably all by himself sang soprano, alto, tenor and bass 
all by himself. A glorious creature. Verse 14, Ezekiel 28. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Notice, not the anointed cherubim, the anointed cherub. Lucifer was the only one. When God told Moses to construct the ark, now we're introduced to cherubim. There were two, one on either side. In the days of Lucifer, his unfallen days, he was the only one. And God handpicked him. The verse 14 says, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. You know, there's some people called headhunters. They go looking for special people to fill special positions. God specially laid his hand on Lucifer for a very specific work. And that work was to serve as close to God as any created being could serve. No other angel could come that close to God. No other angel. Lucifer served in the very presence of God. A seraph, cherub, all combined in one. When Lucifer came from the presence of God, we know what happened to Moses when he came off the mountain. What happened to his face? Shining. When Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, what happened to his clothes? They began to sh they shone like, like, like lightning. Lucifer, coming out of the presence of God, must have shone with all those precious stones and the light flashing and coruscating. He must have been a sight flying through the, the vault of heaven. Lucifer was as close to Christ as any created being could look. Verse 15 tells us, Ezekiel 28, Thou wast perfect in thy ways in the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. That is all the Bible tells us about sin. Thou wast perfect in thy ways and from the day thou wast created, from day one, Lucifer was perfect. Then somehow, mysteriously, sin began in this created being. Verse 17, Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. Somehow, Lucifer felt because of how he looked and the powers he had, he deserved a higher place. And how much like us this attitude is. We're always striving for higher places where perhaps God has not called us, suited us, nor fitted us. And Lucifer reached beyond what God intended for him. And of course, God has to cast him out. Let's go get some more information about this creature. Isaiah chapter 14, reading verses 13 and 14. Isaiah 14, reading verses 13 and 14. Let's read verse 12, get some connection. Isaiah says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which this weakened the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Lucifer goes from being the closest angel to God. Now he wants to be God. He wants to be like the Most High, accountable to no one. His own law. No one can tell him anything. Let's learn some more about this creature. Let's go to John chapter 8 verse 44. This is Jesus Christ himself speaking. John 8 44 as we continue the horror of horoscopes. 26 minutes after 7. Jesus says, Ye are of your father the devil, 
and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a what? A murderer. How far back? From the beginning, way back before Adam and Eve were made, he made an attempt on the life of Christ. Of course, Christ wasn't called Christ back then. Second member of the Godhead, just a son. But he made an attempt. That's why Revelation 12 verse 7 tells us, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. Now he is the dragon having sinned. Michael, Jesus Christ, fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan who deceiveth the whole world. That's his forte. Deception. And deception works best on a man or a woman who thinks he or she knows everything. Because that person does not have to defend. And that was what Lucifer offered, or Satan offered Eve, and by extension Adam. Knowing everything, good and evil. There was a war, Christ threw him out. Verse 13 of Revelation 12 tells us, And when the dragon saw he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. That verse simply tells us that the devil, now that he no longer can go back to heaven, he vents his fury and his anger on the people of God. Now the devil came to Eve in Genesis 3, not as himself. Satan never comes as himself. He comes disguised. And he always comes disguised attractively. So he came as a serpent. And his method of deception was smooth, it was tempting, his voice was probably musical, and he lured Eve into his web. And in verse 6 of Genesis 3, the Bible says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Now notice in verse 3 she said, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. She said that. Now in verse 6, the Bible says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, she saw it was good for food because she had fallen to the deceptions of the enemy. Let me tell you something. Never argue with the devil or his agents. Stand fast and firm on the word of God. Come on, more amens than that. Stand fast, stand firm on the word of God. When the devil spoke to Eve in the Garden of Eden, Eve was surrounded by proof and evidence that God's word has power. She had no proof the devil's word had power. What do I mean? Here's what I mean. Eve knew how the earth was created. And God said, God loves to tell his children how he works. That's the way he is. He loves to tell them. Jesus said, John 15, 15, all things I've heard of my father, I have made known unto you. John 14, uh, verse 2, if it were not so, I would have told you. God loves to tell. Eve knew, God said, let there be light, there was light. Let the earth bring forth grass, there was grass. Let the earth bring forth the living creature after its kind. She knew everything she saw came into existence by the powerful word of God. And the same word that said, let there be grass, said, if you eat, you will die. The word didn't change in power. When the devil said, ye shall not surely die, Eve had a choice. Thou shalt not surely die, or thou shalt surely die. And with no proof that the devil's word has power, 
with no evidence, visual, audible, kinesthetic, or any other way, she chose the devil's word. There are people making religious choices, attending churches with no biblical evidence whatsoever other than somebody else's word. They have no authority in the word of God, but they do it just because somebody else said it. Eve had no proof the devil's word had power. She followed him just because he said it beautifully. Why do you worship the way you worship? Let me digress. Because you have verification in scripture or because someone said so? With no Bible proof. Why do you worship the way you worship? Because it's a family tradition or because it's a biblical tradition? Why do we worship the way we worship? Because it is the habit or the custom of our tribe or is it the custom that originated in heaven? Why do we worship the way we worship? Now this devil... His strong point is still deception. And in no area is his deception more difficult to detect than in the area called spiritualism. 730, 731. Spiritualism is more than simply dead people coming out of a grave and their eyes rolling back in their heads and spirits flying around in white sheets and uh, Jasper the friendly ghost getting stuck in a refrigerator. Spiritualism is more than that. Spiritualism is any effort to remove Christ from the throne of our hearts. Let me tell you that again. Spiritualism is any attempt to remove Christ as Lord. Now he can stay as Savior, but he cannot stay as Lord. In other words, save me and leave me alone. Save me, let me live my life as I please. That's I want him as Savior, I don't want him as Lord. Spiritualism is any attempt to remove Christ from his rightful place on our hearts as sovereign of our lives by the profession that we have made to be his children. There are people who preach that God's biggest attribute is love, so all you have to do is love. Obedience is not important. That is a teaching of spiritualism that is almost never detected. Now, I just said any movement that removes Christ from your heart is spiritualism. Any movement, any teaching that puts distance between you and obedience to God's law is surely spiritualist. Because sin is a transgression of God's law. If you believe that all you have to do is love, and obedience is part of the old covenant, you are on a beautifully paved spiritualist pathway and it is sloping downward. And at the end, there's a fire. The devil told Eve, ye shall not surely die. That is believed up to this day. Because people believe in their hearts that when you die, you are not really dead. Every person with a public reputation who is talked about on television after that person passes away, someone almost always says, but he's safe now in heaven. Apparently, no one ever stays in the grave. He is safe. 
regardless of who the person is, Al Capone died, he is now in heaven. Resting. Some baseball player dies, he is now on the big diamond in the sky. I'm not joking, I'm telling you what I've heard. Regardless of the person's life, however immoral and sinful and wicked and depraved and degenerate that person was, and I don't mean to judge, people at their death feel compelled to say that person is in heaven. I have never at any funeral, and I have gone to more than I can count, hear anyone say he is now in hell. I have never heard it. Has any one of you heard it? Never. Now, am I to understand no one has ever died who deserves to go to hell? Everyone goes to heaven. Because it is based on the belief that when you die, something remains alive. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 5 and verse 6. I hope you'll write these verses down. 735. We have 25 minutes together. Somebody say amen. Ecclesiastes 9 verses 5 and 6. For the living know that they shall die. But the dead know nothing. Neither have they any more reward for the memory of them is forgotten. Not that people forget them, but the dead can no longer remember. Also they love and they hate and they envious perish. Neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. A dead person cannot participate in anything that goes on on this earth. That's what Ecclesiastes 9 verse 6 say. Neither have they a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. Which means my grandfather who died cannot come and participate in my life by telling me anything. I was in uh, Australia, I may have mentioned this to you earlier, met this young lady, I won't say what country she's from, but she was going back to visit the family and the first stop after she arrived, it was the first time they would see her after she completed some advanced degree, they would go to a shrine and offer food to dead people. Now that's not the right expression, ancestors. And she was nervous about it because she had been touched by the gospel and was caught between pleasing God and profoundly hurting her family. And she was in a, in a crisis. And we told her we would just pray for her. When she got there, she sent back an email. We got the news. One of her sisters, hallelujah, supported her in her decision to be Christian. And supporting her in her decision not to go to the shrine. I said a young lady refused to go to Satan's place. I get two amens. <laughs> you know, someone sent me a card and said, Pastor... Don't be so hard on us. Some of us have not been raised to say amen. Is that true? Can I see your hands, those of you who have not been raised to say amen? Where are you? Okay, let me teach you quickly in one second. Come on, say amen. amen. Say it again. Amen. Say it again. Amen. Now you can't use that excuse anymore. Now you know how to say amen. But she refused to go to that shrine because she'd been convicted. There are people who believe. I've met people who came to me, I need prayer. Why? I'm under curse. How do you know that? My mother said so. 
My aunt, before she died, she said, I am cursed. I will never get married, never finish my education, never get a job. And they believed it. And so they subconsciously decided not to get married, not to get a job, and not to get, not to get education. And so they chose to fulfill this dying person's curse. There are people, untold millions of people, living under the burden of this satanic deception that powers on the other side can influence their lives. Yes, they can, but they are not dead people. And I won't go into all I went into this, this, this morning about text you can use for uh, talking about the state of the dead. Because I want to talk about something else. If you want those texts, I can give them to you later. There are beings called demons. Let's go to Revelation 12. Let's go there quickly. Now, I'll pause and wait for you to get Revelation 12. You have to see this. Revelation 12. Reading verse 7 again. We just read it. We'll read that again. It's almost 20 minutes to 8. The Bible says, reading from verse 7, Revelation 12, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought, and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Pause before I say what I want to say about demons. Notice what the Bible says. Michael and his angels fought. Now, if you have the King James, read with me loudly. I want you to see this. Read with me now. Michael and his angels, I can't hear you, fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought, and his angels. Read the next few words by yourself loudly. That's not loud enough. Read it again. When you fight in the name of Jesus, the devil cannot prevail against you. They fought and prevailed not. They fought and lost. When you fight Christ, you lose. When you fight with Christ, you win. And the devil fought and his angels and prevailed not. We have to take that into our hearts as a living principle. It is the devil that brings bad habits to us. It is the devil that gets us in all kinds of trouble. He can't force us, but we cooperate. He is the motivating power. He is the instigating force. He prevailed not. And as he did not prevail in heaven, he need not prevail in our lives. The devil has a track record of defeat. He has not won one battle when he comes up against Jesus Christ. Not one. And the last one that's coming, he will learn that painfully. Now, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and what? His angels. The devil has angels that were cast out with him. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. That's verse 9. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, we have the, the angels are evil. Let's go to Second Peter chapter 2, reading verse 4. The angels are evil. We're looking at this demonic power that's responsible for all the spiritualism in the world. The devil cannot force us to practice it, but he encourages people to do that. And he must be exposed. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 4. For if God spared not the angels that did what? That sinned but cast them down to hell. Delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. The angels that sinned. But there's some angels in heaven that didn't sin. 
They are the good ones. So Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, let's go there. Reading verse 8, Galatians 1 verse 8. As we continue the horror of horoscopes, Galatians 1 verse 8, Paul says, Paul is so angry that the Galatians are leaving the pure gospel. He says, for though we are what? An angel from where? Heaven. They are good angels. Preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. They are angels in heaven. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. As we continue the horror of horoscopes, and the horror of horoscopes is that the power in the horoscope is the power of the devil himself. Either directly or through his angels that the Bible refers to as demons. When a man is demon-possessed or woman, that is the power of a fallen angel in that person. And I have seen it myself personally. I don't go looking for it, but from time to time in evangelism, you come up against it and you have to be ready to face it. And you can only face it as Jesus faced it. What verse did I say? Hebrews 1.14 Are they not what all ministering spirits send forth to minister to them who shall be heirs of salvation? Those are the good angels. Let's go to Psalm 34 verse 7. Psalm 34 verse 7. Beautiful Psalm. Read it tonight please. A beautiful Psalm. See how God loves people who are genuinely penitent and broken hearted and eager and willing to confess their sins. God is always willing to listen. Read that whole psalm. You'll never see it the same way again. Read Psalm 34. Verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and does what? Delivereth them. Yes. Let me show you something else about angels. Matthew 28, reading from verse 1. Matthew 28, reading from verse 1. You have it. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was what? An earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Now one angel came down to Christ's tomb and what happened? There was an earthquake. That's how powerful angels are. Now, some angels are more powerful than others because Gabriel is now the most powerful angel in heaven. That's the one that went to Daniel. That's the one that went to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. Gabriel describes himself as he that stands in the very presence of God. Angels are powerful, some more powerful than others. Now, wicked angels, some are more wicked than others. Let's go to Luke chapter 11, reading from verse 24, 16 minutes to 8. Luke 11, reading from verse 24. The horror of horoscopes, and it's a very terrible horror we're talking about. The power of the devil, Christ's sworn enemy, and yours and mine. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest, and finding none, he saith, I will return unto my home whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits, you read the rest, more wicked than himself, yes. There are some spirits more wicked than others. Heaven is organized. The kingdom of darkness is organized. Satan has some spirits that are wicked. Those are the ones he sends after the preachers. Don't say amen. <laughs> Don't say amen. Serious business. More wicked than himself. Now when you go to the psychic... When you go to the necromancer, 
When you go to that dark room where bells start tingling and chairs start moving. When you go to get your palms red. When you go to have tea leaves red. When I go to have cards cut and red. Or if I'm in some remote area, I have a goat slid open and his entrails cast out on the ground and some man sits down and reads it like a book. What's the power? The devil. These angels were wise when God made them. They have not lost that wisdom. When God sent plague number 10, what was that plague he sent on Egypt number 10? What was it? What was it? The destroying how many angels did God send? One. How many firstborn were killed in Egypt? All. People and animals. How many angels did it? One. Now you understand our scripture reading, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You see, when someone does you something wrong, you see the person. You hear the person. You can interact with the person on a sensory level. I see you, I hear you, I may smell you, you know, touch you. I, 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 you make sense to me. But the power behind that person we cannot see. And so Paul tells the Christian, you must, you must be able to manage your anger. Reserve some for the unseen power behind that person. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But churches spend all their lives rustling flesh and blood. That side of the church rustles with this side of the church. And the devil sits back in the front row and applauds. The scripture tells us we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now notice again, these are all negative. Listen again to Ephesians 6.10. For we wrestle not against flesh, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. 10 to 12. Let's go to Colossians 1.16. See something. Where do these principalities and powers come from? 12 minutes to 8. The horror of horoscopes. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him were how many things created? All that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. The same thing we read in Ephesians 6.10-12, meaning there are good principalities and powers and there are bad principalities and powers. They all began good. But at Satan's instigation... They fell. These are the powers we are up against. Listen to me. A demon can appear in the form of a long departed relative. Speak with a person's voice. Look like the person. Same clothes. Same everything. If you and I are not grounded in God's word... And someone appears in your room tonight. You say your grandmother died 20 years ago. And you see your grandmother sitting on the side of your bed. And your grandmother says, whatever your name is, Methuselah. You don't have to keep the Sabbath anymore. I came from the other side and they don't keep it over there. You don't have to keep it anymore. In a musical voice like a flute. 
And your knees are knocking, but all you see is your grandmother, who used to bake you cookies and defend you from your mother's wrath. And so you listen and you, and you sweat and you shake and the, and the apparition vanishes and you're convinced my grandmother came back and gave me some instruction and so you no longer keep the Sabbath. How many times people have committed murder because they heard a voice tell them, kill somebody. I believe I read somewhere, I have to say I believe, one of our pioneers... And if you're not an Adventist, when we say pioneers, we mean those people who sacrifice life, limb, possessions, property, comfort, ease, luxury to build up this church. Somebody say amen. amen. And I admire them. I love to read their writings. God bless them. I want to see them in the resurrection. One of them lost his wife. And uh, of course, when you lose a loved one, your, your perception is affected because grief does things to the mind. And one day, the wife appeared in the bedroom. And, but this pioneer was a man of the book. Hmm? The apparition looked just like his wife, sitting on the bed or standing wherever she was or it was. And might have said something to him, Hello, honey, hello, darling, how are you? He stood up. What do you think he did? He rebuked the devil in the name of Jesus. And he said when he, when he spoke the rebuke, I'm sure his blood was iced by that time. But when he spoke the rebuke, before this thing vanished, it changed to its real form. He said it was the most horrible thing he had ever seen. Then it vanished. I don't want to sensationalize God's word. But there is a being called the devil. And the devil's strong point, I say, is to get us to believe the foundation of his deception is you're not dead. Most of the world believes when you die, you're alive somewhere, somehow. Most of the world. There are very few people who believe when you die, you're in your grave. And the only ones I know who believe that still are Seventh-day Adventists. Others believe you die, you come back as a horse. You come back as a, a bird to atone for some form of life. You didn't get it right the first time, you come back and try. You come back as a nice cow. You come back as an ant, so no one steps on ants. You come back as a, as a something. Others believe that spirits of ancestors and animals, they're in trees. So they worship rocks, their spirits there, they worship trees, they worship rivers. We have to stand on a plain, thus saith the Lord. But let me tell you, here in the United States, the devil isn't coming and trying to get you to worship a goat. Mm -mm, he is not stupid. We're too smart for that. Put that word smart in quotation marks. But he will come with teachings that look biblical using Bible verses. One of the most dangerous is love and that's all. Don't obey God's law. Just love everybody because God is love. Obedience is works. 
That is satanic. That is spiritualism in its most overpowering disguise. Another teaching just related to it. Siamese twins. All you need is grace. I'm under grace. So I can live with a man unmarried. I'm under grace. So I can go to all wild parties on Hollywood Boulevard. I'm under grace. I can smoke and gamble away all the money I have that God gave me. I'm under grace. I can be as immoral as anyone can possibly be. I'm under grace. And people use God's grace for a shield, for an umbrella from His judgment. And as a pretext or justification for a life of opposition to God, that is the work of the devil. Do you hear me? Do not ever read a horoscope. Because all the devil needs is a little opening into your mind. He just needs, you see, the devil had 6,000 years. He, is, he can be a little patient. He, he, is, he, he, is, he has great wrath. He knows that he has a short time, but that was 2,000 years ago. It's still short, but short for him and short for us. His short is this, ours is that. So he has a little time. He's patient. He just needs you to believe that what the horoscope writer said is true. Because the devil can guide that person. The devil is smart. He can say some things about the future that are true. The devil has power to work miracles that are genuine. Revelation 16, 13, and 14. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. The devil can perform genuine miracles. That's why you got to be careful with miracles. I was in a church, I was in a thing in Kampala, Uganda, one of my favorite places in all the world. And I saw a church, the name of the church is uh, um, Come Get Your Miracle Center. No, the church is not to tell you, come get a miracle, come. Miracles are business. Come get your miracle, but be sure to bring the cash. But come get your miracle. The devil performs miracles. Your only reliable evidence that you are where you ought to be is this. At four minutes to eight, I need five more minutes. Somebody say amen. Please, can I have them? Five. That's all five. We're done at five after eight. Let me say that again. Jesus performed many miracles. He raised the dead. Peter raised the dead. There are some people in Haiti who swear they were dead and they came back. They're called zombies. Part of the voodoo religion. This is the only absolute reliable proof. That Jesus is who he said he was. Not his miracles. They play a role. They have a part. But the fact that he fulfilled every Old Testament prophecy about him is the most reliable evidence that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Does he work miracles? Yes. Miracles are a part of the gospel. But you must keep in mind, the devil works miracles too. So if you see a miracle somewhere, what looks like a miracle, don't examine the miracle, examine the teaching behind it. Is there confession of sin? Is there love for God's law? Is there covering in the blood of Jesus Christ? Is there love for Ellen White? Somebody say something! Amen. 
I was reading great controversy today. And I close it not because I don't love it. I love it. But just to give you reassurance, I will keep my word. Five after eight. And tears came to my eyes as I read. Because most people will be deceived. Jesus prepared us for that. The road to hell, many there be that go in thereat. The road to heaven, how many? Few. Christ has prepared us. That's why you should not judge evangelistic success by how many hundreds are baptized, even though God desires to save hundreds. My time is up. I can preach till 10. I won't. It's a very serious subject. And God needs you and me to have our minds fortified. Never read a horoscope. Never knock on wood. Not even in jest. Don't even say the expression. Because it has an origin. It has a connection. And it is superstition. The Bible says a little leaven. Finish it for me. Leavens the whole lump. Don't play with the devil to any degree. Fill your mind with God's word. Our only defense. How many of you will say with me, Lord, by your grace, open my eyes to see the deceptions of the enemy. Can I see your hands? Yes, raise them high. God bless you. Hands down. You have cards? I want you to write something on that card. Here's what you write. Here's the appeal I'm making. Any man or woman who will say, by the grace of God, I deny the devil and all his works. Let me repeat as the cards are distributed. I deny the devil and all his works. I want you to put a large D as in David on that card. It's 8 o'clock. We have five minutes to do this and we'll do it. Our commitment to Christ tonight, by the grace of God, and upon the authority of His Word, and the power of His shed blood, we deny the devil and all his works. Put a capital D for David on that card. And as you write that, say it in your heart. As you write that, say it in your heart. By the grace of God, the power of His Word, the authority of His blood, I deny the devil and all his works. Put that D. Ouija boards you used to play, tell God you're sorry. Everything satanic. Dungeons and dragons or whatever they called it, tell God you're sorry. It looks harmless, it is satanic. Watching violent movies, that is satanic. Violence is not from God. Watching pornography, that's satanic. I deny it. I deny it. Large D. And as you write it, say it in your heart. The devil has to know that here at Loma Linda we don't play. We don't claim to be perfect, but our eyes are open. And our eyes are on God. We deny Him. We deny Him. With every cell in our beings, we deny Him in the name of Jesus Christ. Now I want you to do something else. I just want that D on that card, nothing else. Your response to this appeal, I want you to respond by standing. Listen carefully. Don't stand to please me. If you will say, Father, 
My only defense is the word. Help me to find time to put your word not only in my head, but in my heart. Stand to your feet. Before we pray, if anyone here has ever tampered with the devil, you've gone to witch doctor, you've gone to root doctor, you've gone to psychic, you had tarot cards or tarot, whatever you call them, read. You've had someone read your palms. You've had satanic material sent through the mail. Any activity of that kind, and you're not sure you've repented from your soul, I'd like to see you sometime before I leave. I won't say tonight because someone seeing you may think, oh, that person's satanic. Sometime between now and March the 10th before I leave, I want to see you. So we can pray together. If Jesus is Lord of your life, can I see your right hand? God bless you. God records these responses. He really does. He registered them in heaven. Hands down, let us pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you that every time the devil tangled with Jesus Christ, he lost. He was cast out of heaven. He tried to kill Jesus as a baby. Jesus found refuge in Egypt. He put him on a cross, put him in a tomb, sealed the tomb. Jesus came up. In our lives, when we're faithful to Christ, their God, we, the devil is defeated. And one day soon, when our Savior comes back, He will wipe Him out forever, and we cannot wait. We pray in the name of Jesus, You will accept our commitment, our decision from our hearts. By Your grace and the power of Jesus Christ, the authority of His blood, we deny the devil and everything that he has to do. And we place ourselves under the blood of our Savior at the foot of the cross on the foundation of His unchanging, immovable Word. Now, Lord, if there's someone who has been in touch with the devil, forgive that person. Cleanse that person completely from every satanic stain and let that person stand in Christ-like purity. Oh, Father, send the good angels to escort us home because the enemy seeks to take our lives. Let us not be concerned when black cats cross our paths. Let us no longer knock on wood, read horoscopes, anything of the kind. But let all that comes out of our mouths be the word of God and be seen in our lives. Hear this humble prayer I offer it in Jesus' name. And for his sake, let all lovers of Christ say, Amen and Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Come back tomorrow. Sleep well. The Lord be with you.